Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. And we looked at this last week just as a mean of introduction. In order to live a significant life, we need to be able to hear God's voice. In order for you to grow in your relationship with God and grow in the witness that God has called you to be, you need to be able to hear. Thinking we aren't able to hear God's voice will always leave us fearing tomorrow and not being certain of His leading in our lives. So last week we established a few important truths and if you missed the teaching, I want to encourage you to get it online. Any child of God can hear His voice. We need to start there. Any child of God can hear His voice. God has spoken. He is speaking and will continue to speak to us, His children. But often we aren't listening because of busyness. We already shared a word on that. Often we aren't listening because of busyness. Busyness of life or even because we don't want to hear. Already established that as well or reiterated that. Not wanting to hear what God has to say because then we can't play ignorant anymore. So at Grace of Tigerberg and throughout all of our other campuses, we don't minister what people want to hear. Okay, so that, that might offend you and that might not want you to be part of this, this ministry, but so be it. We're not going to be a church for everyone because everyone is looking and expecting different things. But we're not going by what people want, but we're going by what is the Word saying, what is the Word teaching. And this morning we're going to look at, and that's just kind of a, a cliff note of, of last week, but this morning we're going to look at recognizing His voice. And you guys can go to John chapter 10, verse 4 to 5. And this is such a vital series, and last week already I had someone come to me afterwards and asked, okay, in, in what ways is God speaking to us? What's, what's His means of communication? We'll look at some of that this morning. Um, but we're going to get into a lot of the questions that you might have on hearing God's voice and, and hearing from Him and discerning. We're going to answer all of that through, through the series. So just, just stick around and, and return. Come back. If you miss a uh, Sunday, then catch up on it on SoundCloud. So John chapter 10, verse 4 to 5. We looked at this last week as well. And when He puts forth His own sheep, this is talking about Jesus, He goes before them and the sheep follow Him. For they know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. From the Amplified it says, When he has brought his own sheep outside, he walks on before them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. They will never on any account follow a stranger, but will run away from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers, or recognize their call. Now, it's vitally important here we see a key component. Following is dependent on knowing. Following is dependent on knowing. If you do not know, you cannot follow. And this knowing is not just talking about, okay, cool, I know about Jesus. I was brought up in a Christian home. I'm a Christian. I received Him. That's not what this is talking about about recognizing, becoming well acquainted with, being familiar with the voice of Jesus. If we don't know His voice and what it sounds like, then we'll follow anything. Any stranger, any different thing, any deception, we'll follow. We'll, we'll, 
will buy in hook, line, and sinker if we don't know the voice of Jesus. Last week we looked at it. It's not about knowing the counterfeit more, but it's about knowing the pure, real Jesus more. I use the analogy of bankers. They don't study all of the counterfeit notes. They study the original, the authentic, so that when they come in counterfeit, or when they come in contact with counterfeit, they identify it immediately, the touch, the look. Because they're so familiar with the real deal. Jesus defined eternal life as knowing Him. In John 17 verse 3. So knowing Jesus goes beyond just intellectual. Because a lot of Christians intellectually know Jesus. The scribes, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they all knew the Scriptures. But they did not know how to apply it. So they did not experience the life that it brought through Jesus. The form of knowing that Jesus talks about in John 17 verse 3 is talking about intimacy. The word knowing there is the same word that we see in Genesis where Adam knew Eve and they conceived and had a child. The word knowing there is intimate. It's personal. It's relationship. It's not just through casual acquaintance. It's only by knowing Him that we get to experience intimate relationship and experience the life that he brought us right now not just pie in the sky when you die but steak on your plate while you wait amen <laughs> who enjoys a good steak got some steak eaters in the room it's good and obviously if you a vegetarian like you also like we love you and we're praying for you <laughs> now i'm joking <laughs> i don't want to step on toes i'm really joking um let's move on <laughs> the awesome thing to realize with regards to this, we don't have to fear what is a counterfeit. Is this the real thing? Isn't this a real thing? Too many Christians are running around trying to look for the counterfeit. Trying to point out and unveil the counterfeit. That's not our ministry. Our ministry and our invitation is to get to know Jesus. Stop looking for counterfeits. Stop looking for the stranger's voice. Get to know Jesus, the shepherd. Get to know his voice. Hebrews 13 verse 8 and 9. God's voice hasn't changed. Hebrews 13 verse 8 and 9 from the Passion says, Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. It's more beautiful to feast on grace and be inwardly strengthened than to be obsessed with dietary rules which in themselves have no lasting benefit. We can only be led astray if we lose focus of Jesus. The same yesterday, today, forever. So it's like driving on the N1 or on any road. If your focus is set on where you're going, you're going to keep going there. Your, your line is going to keep being straight. But when you stray with your eyes, what happens? You pull. You sway. I want to go sidetrack there, but I'm just going to stay on, on track. <laughs> I saw uh, some smiles and uh, I know some people were thinking other things there. Um, so when we lose focus, that is when we're going astray. That is when we pull away. And so it's only in that moment that we can be heading into a direction that God maybe isn't leading us to. 
So again, the point is this. Don't become so concerned with identifying the foreign strange voices. Become concerned with knowing Jesus more intimately. We'll only follow novel and exotic teachings when we get bored with Jesus. There's too many bored Christians out there. Maybe you've been bored. How do, I, how do you identify whether you've become bored with Jesus? It's when the message of Jesus, the gospel of Christ, becomes something that, ah, let's move on to something more, more meaty. When John 3 verse 16, when it's open up, it's just like, for God to love the world. That's, that's you being bored with Jesus. And it's not to condemn you, it's to, to challenge you to, to humble yourself under the Word of God, which is incorruptible, which is all-powerful. And as you approach it with humility, you can be exalted to everything that it talks about. But when you approach the Word of God with pride, thinking that you've heard the Scripture enough or for the hundredth time or the thousandth time, you cannot experience the freedom that is intended to bring. If we stop feasting on Jesus, His grace and His complete work, His Spirit in us and through us, we'll end up following strange voices. John 5 verse 39, Jesus talks about this and He says, 39 to 40, from the message, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. What is the Bible all about? What are these scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, all about? Jesus. It's not about money. It's not about your business. It's not about anything other than Jesus and the life that he brings. Dying for our sins and justifying us before God. Making it possible for God Almighty Spirit to live in us. That is the message of the Bible. Now with that comes other ministry, so to speak. Ministry of healing, prosperity. But oftentimes we run after everything else, losing focus of the one thing that it is all about and always has been about. Jesus, forgiveness of your sins. And justification before God. Because the problem is this. When we go out into the world and we want to minister a gospel based on prosperity, God giving you more money, Paul Gates doesn't want to hear you. Elon Musk doesn't want to hear what you have to say. Your boss doesn't want to hear you. He's got more money than you. Because the gospel that you're bringing is not the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is a specific message. We did a whole series on that. You can get that online. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. If the voices we are hearing is not glorifying Jesus and His message, which is forgiveness of sins, justification before God, Him living in us, then don't follow. Run away. Don't be passive. Let's read, read. Read what Paul wrote to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 2. Just the first part of 2 and then we'll jump down to verse 5. But you need to be aware that in the final days, that is where we're living. We're living in the final days. The final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. That's you and me. 
People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. Guess what this is saying? It's not talking about unbelievers. Who of you know a self-centered Christian who's obsessed with themselves and obsessed with money? I know. I know you do as well. And if you don't, then you might be that person. (laughs) Just joking. Just joking. (laughs) Okay. So in the last days, people, it's not talking about unbelievers, but people, Christian and non-Christian alike. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. Then it lists a bunch of other things as well. But the, the, the first thing, your self-centeredness and obsession with money, we often just kind of look past that and it's like, oh, it's not such a big deal. The other things that it lists is bigger deals, right? Like we, we make some, some things bigger deals because we want to kind of dance with this, this thing of, I'm not really obsessed with money. Like you wanna, we want to justify our desires and the dreams we have and the, the prayers we pray. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. What does verse 5 say? They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Why? Because who you surround yourself with on a daily basis, they talk, their dreams, it's going to have an effect on you. If you're not actively resisting and there for a purpose. Paul said this himself, I became all things to all men so that I might win some. But that was Paul. So don't think that you can just do what Paul did because you've got the Spirit of God. No, you need to mature. Be able to identify whether this environment is something that's going to change you or whether you're going to change it. Don't be naive. Paul wouldn't have said this instruction, stay away from people like these. They are lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Using the gospel to get nicer cars, nicer houses. Using the gospel to... Whatever, you fill in the the blank there. The gospel is not a message of getting rich quick. The gospel is not a message of having all of your needs met. Unless that need is having God's Spirit live in you, then it's the gospel. I'm going to say that again. The gospel is not a message of having all of your needs met. It's one need. The need of the world is one thing. God's Spirit in man. I know this isn't blessing you. And if it's not blessing you, it's probably because you are self-centered. I know that didn't go across nicely, I know. But this is what the Word is saying. In the last days, people will be self-centered. So I'm just saying what the Word is saying. And when I'm saying that, I'm also self-centered at times. So I'm challenging myself with this. I'm going to say it again. Put it on Facebook and you'll see how many people love you. The Gospel is not a message of having your needs met. It's a message of having your need met. God's Spirit living in you. Stay away from people like these. We were made to follow. Last week we looked at the sheep and the goats analogy. We were made to be sheep, not goats. We are going to follow. 
It's just a matter of who and what. You are going to follow by default. You'll follow something. you follow someone. You get to choose who and what. I'm not going to choose for you. God's not going to choose for you. You get to choose what and who you are following. Even goats follow. They follow themselves. Pride, self-centered. So let's close with some encouragement. <laughs> and what manner does God speak to us if we're looking at everything that we've looked at now? And Man, there's a whole lot that I didn't put in my notes that, that came out. So I trust that someone was blessed and encouraged and challenged and it will bring about fruitfulness in your life. So there's three main ways that God speaks to us through. And the first one is through His Word. 1 Peter 1, 23-25 says, for though the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. Or through the eternal and living word of God, you've been born again. And this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you forever. Say, never be destroyed. There's a whole lot in there. There's a whole teaching in that. Never, in the Greek, if you're going to study it out, actually means never. Imagine that. Never be destroyed. Verse 24. Well, for human beings are frail and temporary like grass, and they glory, the glory of man is fleeting like blossoms of the field. The grass dries and withers and the flowers fall off. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was announced to you. The word of the Lord endures forever. God's word is constant. Things change. Cultures change. Society changes. But guess what? There's one thing. Your husband will change. More hair in some places, less in other places. People change. But God's word is constant. That is why we call to listen to and hear the voice of God primarily through His word. Because His word is lasting. It endures forever. Second one, through His body. That's you and me, the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. Again, you are here this morning to be equipped and to be established in your relationship with God. But it's not just to benefit you, but everyone else around you as well. Verse 7 from the New Living says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Say each other. So what we've been given, and in context here it's talking about the Spirit of God and the variety of abilities through that one Spirit. It is there for you, but it's there for you to use to bless the body, to impact the people around you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 to 26 from the message says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part, depending on every other part, the parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Again, it's such a beautiful picture and I pray that I come to understand this better. I pray that all of us come to understand this better. Because we know when my toe is hurting, 
my whole body is hurting. When I've got a headache, my body ain't going nowhere. It lies on the couch. So the whole body comes in alignment with that hurt. Lies on the couch, it doesn't want to do anything. So we understand that. And that's why Paul uses that analogy and he says this is a picture of us as a church. And that's why I'm saying I pray that we come to understand this better and so that we can come and experience and manifest the reality of this better. As we see throughout the church of Acts, the church of Corinth, where offerings are being taken up for another church struggling. This is God's heart. That's one of the purposes of our giving. When you give this ministry, it is to take care of the family. And we've helped various families throughout lockdown that has been struggling and are continuing to help various people as far as we are able to. Because that's on God's heart. That's caring for the church, caring for one another. So we need to understand that God also speaks through His body, through you and me, to one another. Through ministering to our physical needs, but also to minister spiritual truths to one another. And the way that I'm ministering to you now this morning, and the way that we get to minister to one another after the words by feasting on the Word. Feasting on the Word is one of our cultures where you ask someone else, okay, cool, what bless you from the message? And then if you're not used to the culture, you'd be like, I think it was Jesus. That's always a good answer. When in doubt, Jesus is good. So there's, having a default answer, Jesus, you're not going to be wrong. But the purpose of that is to glean from one another. Because there's things that you are hearing in this moment and you might be distracted and so you hear one great thing. But that one great thing, someone else might have missed it. And when you're sharing that one great thing with them, you're kind of getting the fuller picture. It's like puzzle pieces coming together, right? If one puzzle piece is missing, you know it. You could have 99% of the puzzle, but you're going to be frustrated with that 1% missing, right? That's the purpose of us coming together, playing our part. And then lastly, God speaks to us through His Spirit. Romans 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our Spirit that we are the children of God. That's powerful. In John chapter 16 from verse 8, we also read about this when Jesus says that, When I go, I'm going to give you my Spirit. I'm, I'm going to leave you my Comforter. And when He comes, you convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then he defines these things for us. And he says, on sin because they believe not on me. So that's the only sin that the world will be convicted of. Not believing on Jesus. Not individual acts of sin. Because all individual acts of sin stems from and comes from not believing on Jesus. Not believing something. If you believe, if you don't believe you've been made complete in Christ, you'll think that another person is going to make you complete. Not believing that everything that you've got and you need for this life has been given for you, you will fall into the sin of covetousness. Coveting what other people have because you're not satisfied with what God has given you. So again, the statement, all individual acts of sin stem from one thing, not believing that you are sufficient and He has made you sufficient. Second Colossians 2 verse 10 says that you've been made complete in Christ. 
Is the Bible lying? No. Your understanding and your belief of that has just not come to fruition. And that's why we sit in settings like these, to be challenged with the Word, to investigate, and to see the Word and what it's talking about come and become a reality in our lives. John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father sent in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, through the Spirit, He'll minister truth to you. But don't fall into the trap of thinking that everything that you hear is God. Just because you've got His Spirit doesn't mean you're going to hear perfectly everything that He says to you. Because, guess what? The devil also wants to speak to you. He also wants to give you pictures and visions. And what is our filter? The filter is this. Whatsoever I've said unto you, if it's not in the Word, it's not God. If it counters the message of Jesus, it is not God. It needs to glorify Jesus. John 15, 26. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, and He will come to you from the Father and will do what? Testify all about me, Jesus. God speaks to us through His Spirit, but through His Spirit He's always going to glorify Jesus. Glorify the Gospel. Glorify who you've become and remind you of who you are in Christ. Coming to a close. So those are the three main ways in which God speaks to us through His church or the body, through the Word and through His Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 12-14 For we did not receive the Spirit of this world just continuing on the in speaking to us through His Spirit. For we did not receive the Spirit of this world system, but the Spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to Him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Now this is important, and to take note here again, this is not talking about unbelievers. Because the word in Romans chapters 6, 7, and 8, oftentimes when it talks about carnality, some translations talk about a sinful nature. And that's a wrong translation of the word because you can be spirit filled but walking in the flesh. I know some of you walked in the flesh this week. I walked in the flesh this week. So that is what verse 14 is talking about when it says someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit. So it's not saying that an unbeliever, it's talking about a believer that's hearing and able to hear the Word of God, but what do they do? They reject the revelations of God's Spirit for they make no sense to Him. He can't understand the revelation of the Spirit of God because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. So if you're going to be carnally minded, 
self-centered, then you're not going to hear what God is saying to you. In closing, if you really want to hear from God, you'll have to do these three things. Plant His Word into your heart. You can't sidestep that. Because if you don't plant His Word in your heart, you're going to run after every other voice, every strange voice out there. But if you have a foundation of the Word and the message of the Gospel, you're not going to be persuaded by these people all self-centered, talking about money and making the Gospel about prosperity and money, having all of your needs met. You'll need to plug into His body. Talking about becoming part of the community. And whether it's this community, whether it's another community, it's your decision, it's your choice. But there's valuable communication and ministry and God wanting to speak to you through a community, through a body. And then thirdly, what you'll need to do is you'll need to become sensitive to the Spirit's inner witness. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.